All right. This is part two of our interview with Lisa Phillips, the author of Investing in Rental Properties for Beginners, Buy Low, Rent High. Let's get into it. Another question, like kind of on that, like um, once they have their property, I guess, do you do you help them also after the fact? Like, is it property managers that they have? Do you set that up or are you more so just with like your clients more so just to get it and then you just leave them up to themselves? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Um, help them through that process. But the large part of that is sort of helping them vet property managers. Sometimes in real estate investing, what gets people caught up that I try to help them with is that it's not like going to Target and everything's your way, right? It's everybody's an individual. You're generally hiring individual contractors who's just a person. It's not a corporation. It's not have it your way. You have to deal with individuals and individual businesses and people get caught up because they don't understand that. And so what I try to tell them, not every property manager who shows up like they're going to be great is great. And so they might start off great. They might sound great, right? Everyone sounds great. Everyone who gives me an estimate says they're gonna be the best, but you can get someone who gives you a really messed up job for the estimate. And so what I just try to teach them is like how to vet really, really well, see underneath the surface, but also have backup and never be in a position of, um, always be in a position of power where if one doesn't work out, you can get another one. So it's not that nothing will happen. Like there's no risk that they might not be a dud. It's just knowing how to navigate if they are, which is more of a better mindset for real estate investors because it's not 100% every single small business and person you work with is going to be perfect, right? You can do a lot though to make it like 85%, 90, but it's learning how to work with the 10 or 15 that aren't delivering on your product. That's a really good skill set to have. So I teach them how to sort of vet to get like the 85 or 90, but also how to navigate around, work the contract so you can bail out. And if you bail out, have backups, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. You so all these book. principles I'm talking about are real estate investing principles. I think they're really good rental property, real estate investing principles. But when you go to other businesses, these principles still rely. Oh, like oh. not everyone's going to be a good vendor. You just need to know how to navigate around, vet them quietly. But if it doesn't good, organize and structure your contract so you can back out quickly. And with real estate, there's so much money. Learning how to position yourself so you can back out quickly or just strategically is very, very important. And that increases with your skill set. Yeah, I know from your book, you said that you wanted to be in an area, I think you said with at least four good property managers in that area. Yeah. In case you- at least, because listen, <laughs> you can go <laughs> really quickly, right? So you just really have to be mindful that if you're doing this long distance, you really need a robust market. And so sometimes we see a rural area and it might be a beautiful house that's 35K and it's beautiful. Like you want to live in it, but there's no property management. And I'm like, look, or there might be one. I'm like, hey, if it doesn't work out with this person, which we don't know, reviews are good or not. We just don't know. If it doesn't work out, you don't have anyone else. So do you want to manage this on your own? Or do we want to look at another market that's a little bit more robust for a long distance investor? Right. And generally, mm-hmm. they'll just look for a more robust market. So that's why I say you don't just see a cheap property and get it. You can get in trouble. You still have to be very discerning. Yeah. You don't like the two year contracts either with the property managers, right? Let me read that. It just depends. I mean, I've had okay. a property manager for, you know, 10 years, but after the first, I knew she was legit. But whereas I had others in Baltimore, I had to like switch out every year because I'm like, ugh, taking all my money, doesn't return phone calls. <laughs> right you know Mm -hmm. doesn't have the contractors always overpricing um and so it just so it just really depends so a two-year contract with them oh my god like that would have been horrible 
So I would say ease into it and have some sort of a trial period. Cool, cool. Um, I mean, you've kind of mentioned mentioned around this. I guess what should investors look for and what should they avoid in lower income neighborhoods? And not getting specifically into everything that you know, but just a couple of things like, you know, if, if windows are knocked out of the house or if everything's boarded up around there, like is there a couple of things you look at to say this is good or bad? Um. So um, we look at crime, but we have a discerning eye. So you, so, I mean, I always use my house as an example. Uh, like, <laughs> so if you look at my house, I live in a nice neighborhood, but if you look five blocks away, you'll see a shooting. Does that mean my house is affected or I am? No, me and my daughter don't see it. So you got to understand that you have to have a good eye with crime and understand just because you see crime, you really have to learn how to analyze it. So what kind of crime? Is it drugs, prostitution? You know, I generally mm. see those in some of like the most depressed areas. So if you're seeing that and it's on your block, I would really be very wary or around it, right? Whereas other type of crimes are not like robbery and burglary. Well, like that's every neighborhood. Honestly, the higher end neighborhoods get us just as much theft and burglary because people know where the good stuff is, right? So it's learning how to, so crime, but just I do teach how to sort of like learn to read it and what's comfortable for your tenants who to want to stay in that house. Because at the end of the day, you don't live there. They right. do. And there is a certain level of comfortability they need or else you're just going to have high turnover, which does cost you and take away your profitability. Right. So we look at crime, but you do lead a discerning eye. I, honestly, everything will come down to like you just need to learn how to read it for everything. Mm -hmm. It's like read a market, read the crime, read this. It's no absolutes. And that's really a lot of what I have to tell people, on, you know, on that flexibility, like get out your mind that it has to be X. If I see this X, that it's like we have to see the market, see the location, see how often the crime is committed. And um, so is it every day or is it like every three months? That is a different demographic and profile, right? Whereas some mm -hmm. places it's like you have 10 crimes from assault, burglary, like a day, right? And so versus <laughs> eight over eight months, that is a different type of neighborhood, right? There's a different profile of how comfortable your client or tenant will be living there that it won't necessarily affect her or her life or her car or where she lives. So discernment, like learning how to read that is what we do. So that's the biggest thing in this lower price range, especially in the more urban, more populated areas. You have to be very discerning about that, but there is a way to read it that sort of just makes sense. And I just sort of like read the lay of the land. I'm always like, I'm not a financial advisor. This is just my experience, <laughs> right? But there are sometimes I'm like, look, no. And that's coming <laughs> from me. I, I have a high tolerance because I've just been going in different neighborhoods all over the country. I have a high tolerance and even though sometimes people look at me like, where are you from? Because I, I sort of talk with a certain West Coast dialect for a black woman. So even though some people might look at me and be like, oh, you don't really fit in. I still have this ability to go in many different types of demographics and be OK. So I have a high tolerance, but there are things I'm like, absolutely not. I know it looks good. I know it's cheap for a reason. No, no, you're not. about. Yes, I see the price. Very cheap, huh? No, not that way. <laughs> so I have to sort of bring a little bit like a firm. You can't have your eyeballs be too big at that low price. Mm -hmm. I know you said one thing that might bring value is putting burglar bars on on some of these houses in lower income areas. Is that correct? If you need to. So okay. I didn't have to do that in my Virginia property, but I did have to do it in my Baltimore property. Right. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So you have to read the room. And if you go someplace and the house you're looking at doesn't, but all the other houses do, that's your signal. 
Mm. Okay. Nowadays, with all these new, um, I guess, uh, do-it-yourself security systems like yep. Ring and stuff, mm-hmm. do you uh, have clients to put that on their property or, or kind of leave that up to the person that's paying for the rent? You know, it just depends. So I have some, so I have a, a Facebook group. It's called the Sub 30K Mastermind, about 12,000, and they talk about it. So some who are long distance will do that and others do not. Um, it just depends if you want to pay that extra expense because it's sort of hard passing on like your $10, $20 security expense to your client, or maybe you do, right? Or you just pay it out of the, the rents that you collect. Um, so it's really just by choice. You don't need it to be successful or have tenant to feel secure. But yeah, you know, but it's little things. I know on my Baltimore property, just having a floodlight that was motion activated was sort of big because things, light is really, it's something as simple as lights and motion detected lights and floodlights can be enough to deter things because it can be seen. And um, it seems really little, but that works too, in addition to like a ring doorbell. I know it sounds like it couldn't, but it really does. How do you feel about gentrification in these in these neighborhoods? You know, this very interesting subject. Yeah. So um, we talk about it. We are not gentrifiers. We don't go in specifically into a lower income neighborhood to push them out and get the current market rents. We're very clear on that. We're also investors, right? So we are very thoughtful and mindful about towing the line. And honestly, I'll just be really honest. If we have tenants that we went into, we bought a low cost house for 45K and we have a tenant paying 900 and they're great tenants and like, you know, retire. I just posted, I've retired a couple. I just found out in the last two years, rent from, went, rent went from $900 to like 1200. <laughs> so in that area, cause it is gentrifying. It's, you know, there's nothing I can do to stop gentrification, right? That, that train has left the station. If they want it, they're gonna buy it. They're gonna fix it up and live it, live there. And the rents are gonna go increase accordingly. However, it's funny when I posted it in the group. Now, honestly, they're retired, they're on fixed income. They're great tenants. They keep my place up. I got a tax bill once and they dropped it off at my property manager's office. I mean, that's extra nice. I don't even think I would do that, right? Like they're they're really good people and they really try to give back from what I give them. Um, so honestly, I'll probably just let them stay and they pay on time. And yes, I can get an extra two, $300 a month if I raise the rents. Now, possibly there's, so I'll talk about things I could do if I wanted to raise them. However, there is a strategic position going, okay, they're good. They keep my place up. They maintain my investment. They pay on time. They're fixed income. I can just let them ride. And when they pass, get the market rents. That is one option. But it was awesome. And I posted it to the group. And I already knew I was just sort of just laying back. But there's other options. There is going to them and going, hey, market rent is this. What do you think is a fair increase for your rent that you can pay? knowing that the market rent is this and that you know you're month to month now and i could do that but i like you and i want to keep you however there is an adjustment and uh some of my my investors were like i've done that before and they were like okay we do realize it's changing we can pay this but no more than that we'd have to move because it's not affordable so there's other things you can do if you want to work with the situation i think in a very like they're your tenants but i call them clients in a business professional business relationship where it's a little bit of an art of negotiation and um fairness so there's that and other people can be like hey raise the rents hey you know and everyone has their choice we don't try to do that honestly i don't want to be bothered (laughs) they're sweaty (laughs) i can be paid they're great they're older how much 
not to be mean, but how much longer do they have? I don't know. <laughs> like they're good. So, <laughs> hey, it's, it's the truth. It is what it is. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. Like do I need the money? No, I'm still working. Um, now there might be a point where I stopped working and I'm like, okay, I need to be a little bit more, but I would go the negotiation route personally, than just raising it to market rent personally. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just not, I don't know if you guys notice, but I try to teach people money. Isn't everything you want the whole thing to feel good. Well, yeah, there's something peace of mind by having a tenant who takes care of your house. Mm Um, I mean, you can get the tenants in there and they might pay the market, but if they mess with your house, you know, you know, it wasn't worth it. And with market rent, you get people in and out because they're like, oh, they might stay there a year, but then they find something else that's cheaper. You know what I mean? And so then you have turnover costs and then you have vacancy costs and it might be two months or it might be like maybe $1,500, but I don't have any of those costs now. Plus I have a known entity. Now um, I have another property. I don't like the tenant. He just gets on my nerves. So like I raise the rents all the time. I'm like, bye. You know what I mean? I have no affinity or loyalty to him. Whereas these other couple, I mean, they get getting over because they've treated me so well. Does that make sense? So there's also, mm-hmm. you know, if they're not a good tenant, oh, you, oh you're gone, right? I'm not going to say it to them, but I'm like, oh, oh, raise it to the max. <laughs> get him out. I mean, he paid. Yeah, I'm he cool, paid. but yeah. he gets on my nerves a little bit. Call me the little stuff, right? <laughs> I do it, but I'm like, I'm keeping tabs, right? You, know, you, you could have done that yourself, but whatever. You seem like a super nice landlord. I guess how many, from the people that you know, I guess how many people would you think are like in your realm think like you versus the ones that are like, raise the rent, raise the rent, raise the rent? I mostly get it from social media. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm in different groups. And so you sort of see the lay of the land. Oh, okay. In my particular group, uh, mostly black professionals, mostly like 80%, then diversity yeah. of people who are okay. Uh, like honestly about 80% sort of have the same mindset. Cause I remember I had like 60 mm-hmm. comments and they were pretty consistent with negotiate. I wouldn't move them out. Who wants market in and out, right? Mm-hmm. Especially if they're, they treat your property like gold. So the majority of the culture in that group reflects sort of my culture, which is like, we're just mindful of um, who we are as landlords and what we're providing homes mm-hmm. to and that their money isn't moving the way my white collar professional money, you know, cause I can just switch right. a job and get an extra $20,000, but they can't, right? Like we're very aware of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I'm in other groups that aren't necessarily black professionals or just open to the mainstream. And I would say it's a little 50-50. And uh, mm-hmm. I like to say, I, it wasn't like that when I first started, but I like to say like that culture and influence of us speaking out and going, well, you know, there's mitigating circumstances or there's still people has, I've seen a change in the talking point. So in other groups outside of mine, I see it's like half and half now, whether it's like, hey, I don't care, get the money, get out, right? And the mm-hmm. other half are like being very mindful and thoughtful about the situation versus quick cut and dry more money is all I'm thinking about. So I would right. say there is an awareness that, you know, the highest rent isn't always the best for your for your investment. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to lean towards you because um, I have, for instance, I have two different tenants. Mm-hmm. One tenant they paid a high rent and just they weren't good, just weren't good. Yeah. Other uh, tenant, you know, if they if they could stay, I would love them to stay, and I would let, let them pay the same they were paying before, just because I mean they were just great tenants. Right. Um, the, the peace of mind, they don't call me for nothing or anything. Right. Just, <laughs> Great. Or they fix it themselves or you know what I mean? Like they just or they'll call me for stuff, but not but like, you know, not serious, but just not small things. Does that make sense? Like they'll call me for anything big and I'll and I'll fix it and I fix it quickly. But they also take care of my place and they also pay on time. And when they don't pay on time, they'll call me. 
-hmm. you know? Exactly. I'm keeping y'all, you know what I mean? (laughs) My house still looks immaculate. You know, the other property looks too, because I do inspections once, you know, and I, and I get updates, but that house is also really well kept, right? And so that's your investment. And if someone can live in it, pay you money, cash flow, and they keep it up to the same standards you would, that's, that's gold right there yeah. for a landlord. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so can you walk us through the five steps to finding a lucrative yet affordable rental property? Yeah, we'll keep it short. The first is to, like I said, find your budget. So how much can you afford to put down and to get or, or pay cash, whatever you want to do. And then that, and then when we have that information, we find the right market um, that fits that budget. Okay. And once we find that, we try to get the right team in place. Does it have a robust team that can facilitate you doing this long distance? Right. Um, then does it have the kind of tenants you want, right? What's the neighborhood? What's the crime like? What kind of tenants can you expect to get? What kind of rents can you expect to get? Right. So those are the five steps. And then if you're, and if you have the ability, if you want this to be easy, um, I would say get a coach or mentor who is experienced in what you want to do, not necessarily something else, but in what you want to do to make it an easy play versus you learning everything the hard way to ease it. So those are like the easiest ways to do it. So it flows right into each other. I have a question about you say get your team together. I guess Mm -hmm. what are some of the people that should be on your team? Real estate agents for the future property managers. And then outside of that, it'll be a vetting process for the individual contractors that you might hire or individual home inspectors. So learning how to sort of navigate that, what to look for in a home inspector, what should he give you as deliverables? What should you ask for? So, so, so little okay. things that you just don't all automatically know. Because mm-hmm. people sort of approach you and they're like, we do business like that. And I try to tell people, well, you can also ask them to do this, do this, do this, and provide that. Mm. They can say no, but some people don't know you can even ask, yes, right? And so then you start shaping the relationship in your image, not theirs. And like I said, it's all about, I had to really learn small things about power that put you in the best position because I get sort of, I looked younger, you know, I looked younger then than I do, you know, I looked younger, you know, I'm a black woman. So there's definitely perceptions people had. And so I had to learn how to show up in a way that regardless of what their plans were, these were my plans and learning how the art of like, through like asking and implementing different things and structures and only choosing people who would work within that paradigm and releasing those who wouldn't is a way of creating a team that sort of puts you in a position just in a more powerful position it's not like you're over them but you've structured it in a way where it's like they can't get over or you minimize your risk and so that's what i try to teach people too like how to bring that so in so in any situation you're not beholden to them you're not stuck to them you can pull out at any time and still be relatively safe and you know money still protected that's a nuance that's a nuance in what i (laughs) teach that i don't i don't think i really talked about in the book but I was looking back, I was like, oh, these are all different ways for you to stay on top and not lose control because you mm-hmm. you, you created the environment and then you were you stuck to that with boundaries and said, if you don't, if you can't do that, that's okay, but I'll probably find another contractor who will. Mm-hmm. I like the way, the way you discuss contractors and the way you pay them in your book. Um, after they, I believe you had, after they get a certain amount done, you pay yep. them, you know, the agreed upon and then so on and so on. Yeah, it just minimizes the risk. If they mess, if it's four parts and they mess up on the first part, 
there you go. There's your red, hey, there's your red flag. They, they <laughs> couldn't do that, right? <laughs> so you could, you know, either pay them for that part, get someone else, but the other three quarters of the payments are still there, right? Or you could go, I'm not paying you and, you know, whatever legal. <laughs> I <laughs> like, I try to minimize that and there's ways to do it with the vetting process because I don't want to sue anybody just because I can. You just don't want to be in the position in the first place, right? <laughs> but all of those things go into that process. Like, you know, going back on the contractor and going, you know, I don't like that. I don't like that you want me to put 50% down on this. Tell me why. And there were times that I did and they're like cost of materials. Okay. So for roofing, six thousand, you know, twelve thousand dollar total, six thousand. You know what I mean? Cost of materials was that. So I'm like, okay, you ain't trying to get over on me. <laughs> in other jobs, you know, like teaching people, learning how to have that discussion, but not in, in a way that turns people off, right? It's a business skill. Mm -hmm. You've put us on game quite a bit for as real estate, but you also mentioned some uh, crypto earlier. So can you uh, give us a little bit of some tips on people trying to get into crypto? I will. Absolutely. Oh my God. I love real estate and crypto. To me, I just have a talent, right? I can just sort of see how to make money, right? <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not saying on a big scale, I can see how to make money with modest amounts, right? So how you, how you can start small, but build up to something bigger. So that's sort of my gift, not how to start with millions, but how do you start with 10,000, right? How do you start with 5,000 and make that grow? So that's sort of like the skill set I'm really good on, which is why it really works with my audience who's first generation. Okay. So I just wanted to say, those real estate investing skills I told you about, I do apply to the crypto markets, right? And so the first thing is to sort of determine your industry. So in real estate, it's like find your market that fits your budget. Well, it's like just determine one or two industries that you're really good at. So in the crypto world, there's so many different coins. There's so many different things they're doing. This is a metaverse. You know, this is a utility coin. This is a community coin. That's a meme coin, right? This one here is like Bitcoin's the gold standard. And I'm like, just choose two, right? Choose utility or technical or something you really like because it's educational, but just choose one or two when you're starting out. Don't try to do them all until you get comfortable because at the end of the day, there's people only have so much time that they can dedicate to their financial literacy and education, right? Mm -hmm. People like us in this podcast, we are the ones who are willing to, I sacrificed hanging out with friends. I sacrificed my weekends. I sacrificed a lot of different things to read up and try and educate myself on these things, right? We're in this podcast, we're the ones willing to do that. But the reality is I work with the public and not everyone's like, listen, I can't, I can't spend hours learning this on my own and I'm not going to. So I'll just stick with X, right? Because I don't have to spend that extra time. So for them, I'm like, okay, just choose one or two things that you like um, and then just follow that. So if you like real estate or virtual real estate, which, you know, is really easy to make money in right now, I'm telling you. But um, uh, I'm getting offers every day. I'm like, no, that's not good enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> so just choose one or two coins or industries that you're comfortable with and sort of read up on that. Just lightly pay attention to the news as you can. And I say lightly because at the end of the day, I have people I work with with coaching clients in crypto, but not everyone's going to take that time to do it. So I just say, do this and don't try to do every single thing in the world. Now, when you get more comfortable with what you focused on, okay, I'm really into the technology and things that are like the infrastructure coins, right? So in my book, Crypto Alchemy, I sort of tell you like, you can do infrastructure, you can do exchange, you can do virtual real estate. There is um, utility coins that are very technical. And you know, I just sort of lay out like the nine different main industries. 
choose one of those and go forward. And then that way you don't get overwhelmed, but you learn about that particular technology. So when I came in here, I'm doing virtual real estate because I understand real estate, right? So it's not hard and no brainer to go, oh, the money flowed here, right? Just like I do in real life. Oh, I know to get right outside of here. Does that make sense? Because <laughs> I do that in my real estate investing, right? right? I don't go to the most expensive city. I'm outside of that, right? I know how money flows. So I do the same thing there. I'm also really into passive income. So I really focus on items I can stake at nice percentage rates with low risk without losing my money and also crypto mining now, right? So it's just like pick with what you know first and you're going to do so much better. So if you're a doctor and there's some coins that are getting into medicine and like MediCoin and their different uses, you're going to have a more of an of a feel for if this is valid and useful and if you could see the future than someone else who's not in the medical field like some of us are like i like to say some of us are visionary and we can see even if it's not our field we can see we can just see we can see where this is going we can see how it can be built we can see how it can impact but not everyone can see the vision right so focus on the things that you do know because you can see it or you know if i don't like I have a little bit of money in Dogecoin, but like there are people who are like, this is it. They're in the Dogecoin Reddits every day. They're on the Twitter. They love it. It's just a fun, lovely coin that they feel connected to other people with. And if that's your thing and you're feeling the community, go for it and learn about it. You can learn about it, but just do it with something that you actually like to do. I'm going to keep saying this. If you like doing it and learning about it and manipulating it, then it's not work, right? So go with what you know and what you love. Because even if it's not it's what you know, like say you're a nurse or you're someone who travels and there's a travel coin or whatever, or say you grow, you're a dispensary and you sell marijuana and there's all these miracle marijuana coins coming up. Even if it's not something that's fun for you, if you know it, it's just gonna be easier for you to adapt and understand which ones are good. So that's what I'd recommend first, just slow down, pick something, generally something that you already have a background in. And it's just gonna go easier for you. Sounds like you have a principle kind of like, um... Warren Buffett, Warren Buffett, he says, invest in what you know. You know, if you don't understand something, you know, it might not be good to invest in it. Mm-hmm. It's just, um, yeah, getting, they think they have, people think they have to do all this. And literally my job is just to get them to breathe and go, what do we want to do? And let's fit something and make a business and make money focused around that. It just feels better. It's just, it's just a more pleasant thing for you to invest your time in when you do it that way. Mm-hmm. Well, Man, Lisa, we really appreciate all the information that you uh, presented to us. We're thankful that you give all this information to our community because I think this information yeah, needs to be definitely. Uh, dispersed to our community. So really thankful. Where, where can people find you? Yeah. And what do you have coming up next or anything, anything going on? Yeah. So um, when it comes to real estate investing, uh, you can find me at affordablerealestateinvestments.com. And the, will the links be, I'm sure, in the, the show description? Um, I mostly go live in my Facebook group or my YouTube channel about once a week with like current topics or what's going on or just success stories with people who've invested out of state because I think that's important for you to see it because when you can see it, then it's real for you when you see it's real for someone who looks like you. And like I said, they're really modest amounts. So the people I start with have anywhere from 10,000 saved for investments to 50 or 100. But, you know, there's a wide range of people who can fit that and start their financial freedom um, journey. So that's for real estate investing and uh, particularly join those for the lives if you just want to participate and ask questions. Um, I do uh, one-on-one and group coaching, which I love to do. So if you want to set up a call and just talk about if it's for you, um, I recommend it because being around other people who are just like you, who are like Larry and they're investing for the first time, they have all these questions, they're the same questions you have. 
it just really validates and confirms what you can do. And also when you're on those calls, when they're like, hey, I just bought this, it makes it, like I said, making it real for you is a really good mindset shift because then all of a sudden it's not this intimidating thing. It's something that's mm -hmm. just as valid for you as it is for this person on the call. So I really love it and recommend it. So you can contact me through a strategy session call. And I have a book, Investing in Rental Properties for Beginners. Uh, highly recommend it. I have 900 and I think 50 reviews on Amazon. They're four and a half stars, which I was really proud of. It's been out for three years. <laughs> and getting that many reviews isn't necessarily quick or easy, but I'm really proud of that. So it's helped a lot of people. And then on the crypto side, just if you want to learn and educate yourself, I do crypto workshops or I do startup crypto packages, like coaching one-on-one -on -one just to get people to like focus on a particular industry, see what they want, answer their questions, teach them how to get the money on and off. Little things that for us more advanced people, we've already taken care of but for new people it's a bit scary because they've heard just as many just like real estate they heard just as many stories about money people losing their money as not mm -hmm. and even though it's a great investment just like with real estate great investment people have every right to be very cautious and sometimes they just want to be able to talk to somebody so um i just wrote the book crypto alchemy you can find an amazon and which cryptocurrency you can buy i recommend both if you want just like a really straightforward practical how to start small, but build into something big. Um, with my crypto, I spent like for three years, I put $200 a month in like my coins that I chose based off my criteria. And that turned to $150,000, right? So there's so many people who are working who put 250 away here, 200 here, 300 in their 401k. If I can do it just relatively, like you can too. And it's not about being big. It's about, like I said, my trick is like how to start small and grow it. And mm -hmm. so I really try to help people wrap their hands. If you have $200, $100 a month, what can you do for three, four or five years to get in this market, but in a strategic way that's affordable. And we had an uh, episode recently and he was talking about just putting maybe like $100 a month or so into crypto. Uh, I agree. Yeah. So something we talked about earlier. So if, you can, if, if you can see it's the future and here's what you want to tell anybody, what I tell people, crypto is the money, the way Netflix is the blockbuster. Mm. Take your time all you want, but this train has already left the station. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, you have uh, any Twitter handles, Instagram handles? Oh, yes. Instagram, uh, Facebook, Affordable REI for my official page, and YouTube, Affordable REI, because it's all about affordable rental properties. Um, so, yeah, Affordable REI. So, if you put Lisa Phillips <clears throat> Real Estate or Lisa Phillips Affordable, it'll come right up um and you should be able to find me um i recommend getting on the email list because when i go live i send out emails to people and pe that's how people really communicate because i'll send an email out and they'll reply and be like hey lisa how do i do this or can i set up a call with you or da 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 da, da. and uh yeah no i'm pretty approachable because at the end of the day my goal is to i wanted a hundred thousand black investors to invest in a hundred thousand black neighborhoods mm. and we're getting there so okay. it's a very possible goal and I want it to be us investing right. in those neighborhoods. I want them to look like me because it does make a difference. Well, we all agree with that. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it. I love it. Definitely fits right in with the uh, uh, the goal of this podcast. Oh, you mentioned financial freedom. What does uh, what does that mean to you? Oh gosh, I'll just say succinctly: not having to work a job you don't like nor want to. I like it. Mm -hmm. Well, we want to thank you again. Um, we're going to have to look up your crypto books now. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, we really enjoyed your investing in rental properties for beginners. I mean, that really did help me out. I read it again uh, recently, and I just started investing out of state. So, it, it, I mean, it was like perfect timing. 
Perfect. Oh, awesome. Oh, I love hearing that. <laughs> yeah. So um want to thank you again, Ian Terrence. You guys have anything to say? No, thank you. Uh definitely appreciate you joining us. Uh, like Larry said, great book. I haven't invested in real estate yet, but uh after uh going through your book and reading your book, I was definitely uh interested in it. so it's it's on my mind now. Yeah, and just one thing, I was talking to a lady the other day and she was reading my book and she said her seven-year-old daughter sat down and was like, what's that? And started reading my book with her. And I was, she was oh, like, I awesome. had to help her with a few words. I was like, seven? <laughs> <laughs> understand my book? Yeah, and she said she was early. talking to her about the concepts. And I was like, I think that's amazing that I took real estate investing and your seven-year-old daughter is not only reading it with you she's understanding it and you're discussing it i thought that was cool because on some hand you're like oh they're seven you made it so simple a seven-year-old i was like no i made it like that's that's amazing <laughs> that means anyone it gets in front of that means anyone it gets in front of can understand it and grow and utilize it and it's just isn't it, I, I just thought that was just so interesting that she's reading it with her seven-year-old so my daughter's five i'm like i can't wait to read this <laughs> with her i i I mean, if, if seven-year-olds can understand this, I mm -hmm. think it's wonderful to have conversations about this. I definitely think that's, that's, that is very interesting. I think it's amazing that seven-year-old, like by the time that by the time that kid hits 18, 21, like they are super advanced, you know, if they've already tapped into it that early. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Well, uh, thank you again, Lisa. Do you, do you have anything else to say to, uh, or anything? No, I'm just so happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. I, you guys don't know. I just thank you so much. I really, really appreciate the invite. Oh, like I said, we're super excited to join us for real. So thank you very much for joining us. So, all right. Well, uh, all initiators, please go look up Lisa's books. Um, go ahead and purchase them, read them, whatever you can. And uh, we want to thank you, everybody. Bye. Bye. All right, initiators out.